Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. This is RSG. Uh, on the road at the Maui Invitational, we're off and running. And uh, uh, before I start, I want to uh, give a special shout out to uh, Bowman Medical Group uh, and our good folks uh, at Aston Mahana for being our uh, our sponsors this year. And we are excited actually to uh, to have our, our, our good friend Dr. PJ Bowman here with us this today to talk a little bit here. Uh, how you doing, brother? Real good, Devon. Thanks for having me on the show. And yeah, we're Proud sponsors of our That's right. Our, our second year sponsoring the show, and and we love it. So you know, keep up the good work. Well, hey man, it's it's great, and uh, you know what, what's great about this platform is that in addition to covering the games, uh, we want to talk about the state of uh, college sports. And as I was thinking about the people who could provide perspective on some of the issues that we're uh, trying to understand uh, in the world of intercollegiate athletics, I thought. You know, you would be a great person given your background as a student athlete, but I think also in your your own work, your current work as a psychiatrist, and your work working with different community and um, being in a space, you bring a unique perspective to it all. Uh, but before we go, I, I think it's important for us as as one of our uh, sponsors to have people learn a little bit more about your practice, what you do there in uh, Beverly Hills in California. So, can you give a bit of background on, on how you got to the company and what's happening in your practice. Yeah, sure. So I'm a psychiatrist. I was trained at University of Michigan, did my medical school there and my psychiatry residency. I moved to Los Angeles in 2000 and did a fellowship at UCLA. From that point, I started a private practice and uh, recognized that mental health is challenging. Also, it's very fragmented when people will try to access services. It's not easy for people to navigate the system. So that encouraged me to start a group. And over the last uh, 16 years or so, I've been building a, a psychiatric private practice group that involves other psychiatrists or two other psychiatrists that work with me. One's a child and adolescent psychiatrist, which is very important because I believe services should be offered earlier uh, in, in, in life and not just in adulthood. We also have PAs who are physician's assistants, nurse practitioners. And the point there is making sure we have people need services, they can get services quickly. And then in addition, um, with psychiatry, there's a medical model, which is important, but there's also psychotherapy. And we have uh, many psychotherapists that work with us and we offer counseling, individual counseling, family counseling, couples counseling. So we, we try to offer comprehensive services to the Los Angeles area. Well, thank you again, man. I appreciate it. It's, it's been good to kind of watch you grow and build and um, be in a position to help a lot of people. Um, one thing was interesting, uh, we just uh, came back from the um, pre-tournament uh, press conference with the coaches, and um, as you may know, uh, 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 Cancer Winston, um, uh, and brother died in Michigan State, you know, program, obviously uh, uh, his brother was very close with the players there, you know, there in the summers connecting, and you know, when young people like that experience a death, 
Um, you know, I was talking to Coach about, you know, what is it about his culture that can kind of help bridge this? You know, particularly, you know, it's hard anytime, but, you know, when they're – this is a team that's number one in the country, a lot – but these are still young people. You know, when you see something like that happen, I know uh, you had some teammates who you played with who uh, – the, the 30 for 30 on Ben Wilson and, uh, you know, people like Nick Anderson and some of those guys who grew up with him and then went on to play – with you with the flying line eye, you know, that was still something they carried with them um, that impacted who they were as young people. What, what kind of things do you advise in those situations when you're trying to help people navigate these kind of difficult waters at the same time they're trying to be trying to compete for something? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard on, on many levels when, you know, there's loss, loss of life. I mean, that's very, very difficult to cope with and to handle. Uh, and younger, you obviously don't have the, clear guidance on coping strategies and don't quite have the maturity level to put it all in perspective. If it's a tragedy, oftentimes young people die of things that are preventable or things that could have potentially um, handled directly, could have not ended in that particular kind of way. So when I was at University of Illinois, two teammates, Irvin Squall and Nick Anderson played basketball at Simeon High School with Ben Wilson. And I remember them sharing stories about Ben, talking about him all the time. In part, you know, it was it was a little bit of survivor's guilt in a way. You know, they like here's a young man who was an excellent basketball player, he was rated number one in the nation, actually, who wasn't able to participate, wasn't able to be there um, in college playing basketball, maybe at Illinois, maybe on another team. But the aspect of that, which is important just to remember that those close relationships oftentimes some of the grief is about you know, wishing that their their friends or their loved ones, family members could be there with them. The other piece is just remembering that adversities happen throughout people's times. So one of the things that struck me when I talked to Nick Anderson and, and Irvin Sports, Ben wasn't the first person that they lost. That's you have right. to look at their early lifehood adversities and the challenges that they've had. So it's not just one event, but there are several events that have happened and that creates a bit of an accumulative traumatic uh, perspective on, on things. So there's grief and loss, and then they can become even more complicated. What helped a lot was looking at a common purpose, looking at how to focus at what they could do now, and almost feeling like they wanted to make them proud. Yeah. And part of that was um, you know focusing on what they were doing in the present and then trying to have a future. So one you know perspective on that is, um, you know, doing the best that you can with your life, but also combining that effort and that hope and that inspiration with other people. So team sports was a very valuable scenario for, uh, I know, my teammates, um, and I think also for Michigan State, too. Being together with people who can have common goals, not only in the moment, uh, but also looking at how to be successful and looking forward because you are, are, in a way, wanting to um, have that person's memory live with you as you become more successful in the future. Uh, you're on just to uh, RSC on the road at the Mile Invitational. We're with uh, Dr. Uh, Philip Bowman, um, who is um, the uh, head of the Bowman Medical Group. And, you know, we're talking about um, uh, one of our themes for uh, this weekend is the state of college sports. And uh, you hit on something. Um, um, you're in the state of California where they passed the fair uh, pay the, uh, the play act um, that is uh, allowing college athletes to um, make money off their likeness. But I think you get a, a thing when you're telling a story about Nick 
uh, and uh, Irvin uh, that, you know, particularly in these revenue sports, we have young people who have, have come from situations that um, have been very difficult. And so a lot of times when we talk about this, this likeness issue, we're not taking into account um, where these young folks are coming from. You're not understanding the value of cultural capital, social capital, and other things that allow for people to take advantage of these things. Um, I want you to speak a little bit to, you know, young people making these kind of decisions at this point in their life, and what are some of the other elements we need to consider when we're, we're thinking about policy changes like this? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you have to have a developmental perspective at the very least. And uh, we understand people don't get driver's license for a reason at a certain age. Um, there are even discussions about what's the appropriate age limit to allow people to own guns. Um, the legal age for drinking. You know, there are, these are uh, uh, debates that have to do with development and human experience and being able to make decisions. Now, when you thrust young people into you know, very intense experiences, college sports, an example of that, especially revenue generating sports, football and basketball, and you're adding into that the element needing to participate academically, uh, and, and most of these, uh, you know, schools are, are academically um, rigorous. So, you know, you're looking at this dual relationship and you're asking them to contemplate their future. Are they going to have a future in professional sports? What does that mean? The other piece is the NCAA. I mean, with the NCAA, there are so many rules, regulations, bylaws. Players can't keep up with that. Players don't understand all the implications of that. Um, but what the perspective is, is there's a feeling of, um, potential um, exploitation. That's the feeling. That's the perspective. So what players want to do is regain some sense of self, regain some sense of having a little bit more control and a little bit more say. Part of the, uh, the challenge, though, with that is uh, making decisions. Who's supporting the players in making decisions, especially if we're talking about 17 to 21, 22-year-olds, and that, that not only where you come from, you may not have opportunities to make decisions along the way. You may not have parents to help you. You may not have mentors. You may not have guidance. So you may not even have the practice that's required to make these decisions, even uh, independent of their age. So I think a lack of support. I think there's also, that's a primary issue, is a lack of support around understanding that, that, that their developmental stage in life and uh, all teenagers and young adults need that kind of support. The other you know, issue is just it, it, a lot of inequities. Um, for me, when I was playing at University of Illinois, I just recognized there are a lot of inequities in my ability to get a really good education because we were traveling, we were on the road, right. in tournaments. So instead of giving me money, I would have rather had more time to, or I would have rather had more opportunities to take exams when we weren't traveling and on the road. And so the inequities isn't just a financial component. It's you know not the college scholarship or the education. It's the time that you need in order to get a really good solid education, and that hasn't really been addressed in my book. And then I think the you know having some control over your uh, uh, your sense of you know kind of referring more to autonomy, and that is important in the psychological development of individuals having autonomy. And if people take your autonomy away or they use it in their own best interest or they have agendas that are associated with your autonomy, then that, that is a bit of a devaluing experience as a human being, quite honestly. 
So I think it's in part not just the financial economic compensation that's at hand, but it's getting more control, having more autonomy, and then also having some more uh, equity in terms of being able to pursue what we would understand as a really good educational process and having more integrity and being able to pursue that kind of process too, for, for the individuals that want to do that. Thank you. Thank you for uh, providing that perspective. And, and so when you, um, I, I love the fact that, um, you know, some of the suggestions I was coming up with is that it would be interesting if they found a model where, um, and we do this a lot for legacies in other areas um, where um, you would um, be able to provide uh, at least one person who is an offspring a free education at home institution, right? There's a, there's a, um, it's almost, you think about what they did with the Kalamazoo project. When you, you create this, this um, long-term vision of security because you put all the pieces together um, in terms of uh, the, the Kalamazoo promise where they create this opportunity where students are guaranteed college education paid for, right? When you, when you create this kind of generational vision around this, you know, that's one of the things I was thinking about that college can do, universities can do. I, I know folks like Ramon Yuhuma, who's out there in California, uh, they've done a lot of, you know, they talked about some of these funding strategies off just the new deals. You know, when you try to think more that kind of generation, when we talk about that horizon, given um, the kind of time, what, what kind of thing can that do for people psychologically when they can, they can see this kind of um, structural plan that can be, that can go beyond them? If, if, if they were to do that. Yeah, no, I, I think that's where it comes down to is, it's, uh, are you actually investing in me? Yeah. Okay. Either you are or you aren't. And if you're investing in me in an effort to have success, an effort to be an effective person in life, then there are certain steps that go uh, uh, along with that. And those steps, you know, are having adequate academic support, adequate mentoring, and adequate time. Right to, to to do certain kinds of things that are uh, uh, really in alignment with being successful and, and being effective, but you can lay that kind of plan out. It would be you know, different than a corporation saying what's their five year business plan, and they want me to invest money in it. Okay, right. I'll invest money, but you got to give me a five year plan. Okay, and as an individual, that's the type of investment that they need. And there should be a plan. There should be parameters. There should be a time frame. It's not just about some free education. It's about actually investing in an individual. <laughs> strategies that are in alignment with who that person is. So there needs to be some you know, individuality. And then also what some of their future aspirations are. You can't treat everybody the same. Otherwise, it's devaluing the process in a way. Um, and it's just adding some structure in hopes that um, it to me, camouflages the fact that, you know, it's an uneven, imbalanced system. And yeah, institutions right. and the NCA are the stakeholders that get more out of this investment than the players. And the players need to be at least at par with the other stakeholders in terms of, you know, where, where is this investment going and how does it help me as an individual? So I think putting that out there will be very um, uh, empowering. For, for players, if they knew that type of investment existed beyond saying you get free books, room and board. That's right. That's not uh, that. That's not that empowering. That's not empowering when you know we, we there's a lot of other folks get those same kind of treatment, uh, but not exactly. Money. Um, I'm going to make a little uh, switch here before 
just to get maybe back in your personal story. One of the things I, I like to like frame up on, like giving because you know, you have an interesting background in 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 kind of story on how you got there, and I know you know a lot of other student athletes who have. What is it about your background as a student athlete that's been beneficial to you? Well, how has it helped you build your business? What is it about your experience as a student athlete playing with that Carolina team? You know, you were you know great high school uh, player, uh, you know great JUCO All American. You did all this stuff. You played multiple sports. What is, what is it about your athletic experience that has contributed to your success today? Well, I think the primary thing is you know really uh, establishing a foundation and improvement. So an improvement foundation really allows you to look at yourself, have some ability to make some honest appraisals of yourself and say, okay, this is where I'm at now. And where would I like to be a month from now? Where would I like to be at the end of the summer? Um, you know, if my jump shot is, um, you know, a little inconsistent in May, you know, what are the types of things I can do? So, you know, by September, or by December, I'm going to have a more consistent jump shot. So, but I think the model there is an improvement model. What do we call that? We just call that in life, in business, personal development. So personal development is really important, but it, what it taught me is it's okay to self-appraisals, but you really want to be honest. If you think your game is tight, but it's not really, and you're just going out and just playing because, you know, you're a pretty good player, then you're not – really adhering to that kind of model of personal development and, and, and you know, in a sense in, in sports, you, know, you can look at certain parameters um, and put that in place. So I think making really good appraisals, being honest with yourself and then setting up some personal development strategies, whether it's academic sports or business, I think is important. When you do that, you also learn to believe more in yourself. When you believe more in yourself, um, you can take risks. And taking risk is a really important thing. We do it in sports kind of naturally because we build that foundation. But some people don't transfer that to other aspects of life. And taking risk isn't necessarily meaning doing something that's going to put you in harm's way. But it means that you can uh, believe enough in yourself and you believe you have enough preparation, you believe you have enough foundation, you believe you work in your improvement plan enough that you can take on the next challenge. And the next challenge will require you to make more adjustments along the way. But to me, in business, especially in other areas of life, that's that's uh, super important. All right, you know, you, you at this point, I can say you're a longtime LA native right now. Like you lived in LA for a while now, and LA right now is the center of the basketball world right now. You uh, have a self-confessed super fan. What what has it been like to be in LA with the Lakers? And the Clippers going at it, and and also you being a, it's you, it's you and a, who Billy Billy Crystal like it's you and Billy. <laughs> who you said last to? You know uh, who? What's it been like? Like like Kawhi came out and the Lakers fans was booing him. He trying to open the season up. What has it been like to be a Clipper fan in LA with both teams being good? When you got a, you probably got a legitimate chance, even though the Lakers are you know got the record. What's it been like? So it's been it's been it's been fun. I mean, it's been uh, an interesting journey starting in 2000 when I first uh, moved to Los Angeles from Michigan. I'm a Pistons fan, right? So when yes. you're a Pistons fan and you're going to three straight finals uh, with Isaiah and and Dennis Rodman and, and Joe, Joe Dumars, oftentimes you face the Lakers. 
That's right. And that just meant I, I it was hard to be a Laker fan because right. I rooted a, a little bit too. I love Magic, but I, I wanted Isaiah. To, you know, I wanted my my bad boy crew to win. So when I first got to uh, L.A., I had a little trouble with rooting for the Lakers. They were loaded. They had Shaq and Kobe, and they're already good. So I went for the underdogs. So okay. I started going to, to Clipper games. And, of course, you know, they're inexpensive seats, too. Uh, <laughs> Always been economical. Look at you. Hey, your money. Keep your money. <laughs> so I could get good seats for half the price. Uh, but it was hard watching some of those games. I honestly thought I could suit up and play for some of those early Clipper teams. You probably could have. Yes. And then they gradually got better, and they had an Elton Brand team, a Sal Cassell team. But the biggest thing is they have bad ownership. Yeah. Okay. That was the biggest thing I think that was holding them back. So even when they got Chris Paul and they got Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan, they still didn't have the right culture. They got Doc Rivers. So I think the whole Donald Sterling shift, and now with um, you know Bomber really truly believing in the team, they got a, they're, they're looking at a new identity. So the idea is they got the, you know, the uniform change. You know, they really are looking at being gritty, being hard-nosed, identify with that, um, work ethic, and having a lot of heart. Mm-hmm. So Clippers has, has evolved into my team. I love rooting for them. Now they also have talent. Yes. Right? So now you add Paul George and Kawhi. You know, you got Sweet Lou. Yeah. Um, great players like Beverly and Montreal. Harris. So basically, you have all the tools and intangibles that you need um, to the extent that I think the, the Clippers are the best team in the West. And I, Patrick, if Patrick Beverly is like, you know, this is the inside joke. It's like the Dave Hargrove of college basketball. Always under your skin. Man, always under your skin. I got my one of my uh, guys I go <laughs> with uh, in L.A., Daryl. I'll give him a shout out there. He's like, Patrick Beverly could play prison basketball tomorrow. <laughs> be on the yard and hold his own. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's I it. Patrick Bradley, man. Yeah, Ooh. so it's, it's, it's good to see the Clippers not only being good, but actually developing an identity. Yeah. Now, you know, you look at the, you know, the uniforms different. You don't think about the old Clippers anymore. You don't think about Downstairs anymore. You don't think about the Clipper jinx. It's, it actually feels like a completely new vibe. And, you know, the Lakers are the Lakers. It's the Lake Show. Um, people say it's always going to be an L.A. Laker town. However, you know what? Championship banners can change that. That's right. If the Clippers can, you know, make it, you know, they have this shot, make it out the West, uh, win a championship, I think that's going to be a huge, huge shift. So it's exciting to have probably two of the top three, four teams in the NBA in one time. Well, hey, man, I want to say this. You know, what I've always appreciated about you, you know, uh, there are times you probably thought I was a little crazy, but uh, for you to uh, be on this ride with me early on and kind of believe a little bit in the vision we're trying to put together here, uh, you know, great people over there, uh, you know, Lydia's going to say hi to Lydia and the group over there for just being supportive throughout this and also being supportive of my daughter when she had a chance to come shadow with y'all. Y'all just got a great operation. I want to make sure people, if you are in L.A., you want to connect, Want to get support? Uh, the Bowman Medical Group is first rate, brother. I want to thank you for for being on here. You know, we'll have you back on the on the show soon, brother. Absolutely, Devon. Thanks a lot, man. Have a good time in Hawaii. All right, man. Stay All, right. All right, take care.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.